We are in our last week, the last week of our series, Doing Emotions Well, Lessons from the Psalms. And today we're talking about fear. And so I had an interesting experience this week. So I woke up Monday morning at 6.45 and I was afraid. You see, I had a doctor's appointment at 7.30 that morning. And I hadn't been to the doctor for about three years. Now, for a young, healthy guy, that's not that big of a deal. But for a middle-aged, overweight guy with diabetes and high cholesterol, not going to the doctor in three years is a pretty bad thing. Um, so I was scared. And I, so I got up and got ready and went on. But I was scared, I, and, so, and I went to the appointment. I was scared of what the doctor would say. I mean, here I was kind of ignoring something I should have been doing. Was he going to give me the guilt trip of where was I? Why hadn't I come in? Um, I was afraid of what the test results would say. I was, I was going to have a number of tests done, and I was afraid of what those results would come back, knowing that I'd kind of neglected my health for a number of years. Um, and then I was, afraid, I was afraid of having to make changes in my life, because it's a lot easier just not to make changes. But I was afraid of what the doctor would say, what the test would show, and it would mean I'd have to make big changes in my life. Um, so just this week, I got an opportunity to deal with fear. And you know what? I know I'm not the only one. I think every one of us faces fear at some point in our life. Some of you, you might be in the middle of it right now. You might even have something coming up this next week that terrifies you. And you're, you are afraid. But I think we all face fear at one point or another. So that's why I wanted to include it in this series. And I wanted to allow Psalms to speak into all of our collective lives. Um, so how do you handle fear? How do you handle fear? You know, you, you've probably heard of this, the fight or flight instinct. That's for the fight or flight instinct. That these are some of the basic human instincts of how to handle fear. So fight is you face up and you kind of fight against your fear. So these are the people, if you're a fight person when it comes to fear, these are the people that are usually angry. They're over-demanding. They're the, ten, the ones who tend to rely on power or control or bullying to deal with their fear. Because if they amp up, they are in control. Whoa. Sorry about that. Well, I just broke whatever was back there. That's all right. But so one of them is the fight instinct. One of them is the fight instinct. The other is the flight instinct. These are the people who run away. They run away. Okay? They avoid problem people, situations, issues. This was me and my health. I kind of emotionally ran away from dealing with my health. Um, but did you know there's more options than just fight or flight? There are actually two other options. Uh, yeah, did I just whack this down? Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, give me a sec. I'm going to put back together what, what, yeah, there we go. Kenny's giving me the thumbs up in the back. 
Now am I in stereo? Okay. Okay, there we go. Now, now we can sound a little bit better here. But yeah, so did you know that, there, that psychologists have actually found there are two other responses that people have to fear? It's not just fight or flight. So there's a, so there's a third option, which is freeze. Freeze. These, these are the people who, in the face of fear, they do just that. They, they freeze. They become paralyzed. That idea of paralyzed with fear, the, these are the ones often that become withdrawn. They become antisocial. They just don't want to deal with anything because they freeze. Their heart and their mind freezes up. Um, often these are the people that, that will sleep a whole lot, binge watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer all weekend, or go on a gaming binge and play Call of Duty for eight hours straight. These are actually the freezers who freeze in the face of fear. And there's a fourth option. It's not just fight, flight, or freeze. There's another option called fawn. Okay, no, this is not people who turn into baby deer, okay? The other definition of fawn is to fawn over someone. And these, these people who fawn, they become enmeshed and overly dependent on the person or the thing they're afraid of. This is the person who will do anything that their boss tells them to do because they're afraid of losing their job. This is the, this is the person who becomes codependent with their spouse or their parents. That they, they give in to their pe give in to people. They'll, they'll always put someone else's needs ahead of theirs. Because if they do that, then maybe they won't get angry at me. So fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. How do you handle fear? How do you handle fear? Which of these is most like you? I mean, I've already told you, I'm, I'm a little bit more of a flight kind of person with a little subgroup of freezing. Um, but generally, I, I like to run away from things if I'm, if I'm not actively pursuing them and connected with God, I run away. So what about you? How do you handle fear? What are you afraid of? And what do you do in response to it? Well, I would like to propose a fifth option. I would like to propose a fifth option, and that's faith. Faith. Okay, now, I know what you're thinking. Well, duh, this is church and you're the pastor. Of course you're going to say that, okay? But stick with me here. Stick with me here. Because we're going to allow Psalms to, to speak into that, that overly simplistic idea of faith. And I think the psalm we're going to look at today will help put some flesh onto this idea of faith. So it becomes more than just a Christian platitude. It becomes something you can anchor onto, something you can understand, something you could do in your life this next week. Okay? So don't dismiss the overly simplistic pastor answer of faith. Stick with me here. Well... We're going to talk about a category of psalms. Each week we've talked about a different category of psalms. This week we're going to talk about a category of psalms called confidence psalms. They're also known as trust psalms. 
These are psalms that focus on the fact that God can be trusted. They express faith, they express belief in God's care, his goodness, his guidance. These are confident psalms or also known as trust psalms. Now, you already heard one of them, Psalm 23. It's hands down the most, it's the most famous psalm out of all 150 of them. Um, even if you've never stepped foot in a church before, you've probably heard some part of that psalm before. So Psalm 23 is an example of a confidence psalm. Well, today we're going to look at the second most popular, the second, the second most well-known of the confidence or trust psalms, and that's Psalm 91. Now, this one, both Psalm 23 and Psalm 91 that we're going to look at today are really close to my heart because, you see, when I was back in seminary about four years ago, um, I did an internship as a hospital chaplain at Mercy Hospital up in Coon Rapids. And I, I had the privilege of sitting alongside a number of patients and sitting with families whose loved ones were dying or had just died. And it was one of the toughest parts of the job was to be there at death. What do you say to a family whose loved one just passed away? Or what do you say to someone who knows that they aren't going to be around in a week or so? Well, I had two go-to psalms when I was at the hospital. One of them was Psalm 23, and the other was Psalm 91. And I read those over and over and over again to people because they're amazing pictures of how good God is and how much he loves us and how much he wants to do for us. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at Psalm 91. It's a long one. It's 16 verses. So that's a lot to cover in a 30-minute sermon. Okay? But we're going to hit all of it. I didn't want to trim it down. I, I, I just couldn't trim it anyway that, where we wouldn't lose out. So we're going to hit all 16 verses of it. Um, but I have a, I'm using today the NLT version. That's the New, Living excuse me, the New Living Translation. It's a little easier to read, and the translation is very accurate to the Hebrew. I did a little comparison to make sure that, that the translation was solid, and it is. So we're going to go with the New Living Translation. If you like to follow along on your phone, just change the version. If you're an NIV or an ESV person, change it to the NLT, and you'll be able to follow along. Um, but before we do that, I want to tell you ahead of time two big themes in confidence and trust psalms. Okay? All of these categories of psalms have themes. This one has two big themes. First is what God does for us. What God does for us. This psalm, along with, there are, there are a total of 10 confidence psalms in the whole book of psalms, so there are nine others. And so this one, Psalm 91, gives an amazing picture. It is an amazing picture of what God does for us and who God is. Right? So that's the first big theme is what God does for us. The second big theme is what we do to get it. It's what we do to get it. So I want you to listen as we read through. I want you to listen for if statements. Uh, in computer programming language, back in my old computer programmer days, they're called conditional statements. If something, then something else. Okay. So I want you to, to listen for conditional statements because 
Because this psalm, I think, and this idea that, that a big theme is that what we do to get what God does for us. I think this highlights a really important misconception about God. So I want to hit that first. Very important misconception about God. Now let me tell you this. God's love is unconditional. Okay? God's love is unconditional. God's blessing is not. God's blessing is absolutely 100% conditional. And that is clear from Genesis to Revelation. God's blessing, God's protection, God's guidance, all of the things God gives us other than his unconditional love. But all the other things are conditional based on what we do. And, and I'll periodically talk to people who are upset at God because God's not providing or not giving them opportunities or protecting them or bad things are happening in their lives and they're upset with God. And when we sit and talk, they have kind of this notion that because God loves us unconditionally, he blesses us unconditionally. That's just not true. Okay? From Genesis to Revelation, it is consistent that God blesses the faithful ones of his followers. Okay? We're going to hear a lot more of that in Psalm 91 here. So I just want you to keep that in mind. God's love is unconditional. God's blessing and protection is not. So let's take a look at Psalm 91, starting with verse 1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So here it is. This is his, his thesis statement to the psalm. This is the basic theme, and everything else comes out of this. Now notice, this is our first if-then statement. Do you see it? Those that live in the shelter of the Most High, they will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Not everyone finds rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You've got to put your shelter in Him. Okay, so, so that's an example of these conditionals that I'm talking about. And you'll hear a lot, a lot more of them throughout this psalm. Let's continue. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. So did you notice all of the amazing good things God does? He provides safety, shelter, and refuge. He rescues. He protects. Those are all things that God does. Those are all things we can trust in him for. Let's continue. Do not be afraid of the terrors of night nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. 
Okay, let's pause there. Now, this sure sounds like if you follow God, nothing bad will happen to you. Doesn't it? I mean, it sure sounds like if you follow God, nothing bad's going to happen to you. Okay? And we all know that's not really true. Because, and, and you'll hear often a lot of pastors, especially if they fall into sort of the, a prosperity gospel orientation, you'll hear them use verses like this to say, if you follow God, bad things should not happen to you. And when they do, it means you're not trusting God enough. Okay? That's not what this passage in Psalms is talking about. Okay? Because remember, Psalms are poems. This is Hebrew poetry, and like all poetry, they use, they use flowery language. They use, use a, grammar, a grammatical tool called hyperbole, which is exaggeration. So they use big language. Also, because psalms are poetry, these are not theological discourses. I pity any person who, who develops a theology of God based solely on psalms. Because that's not its purpose. Psalms are meant to touch the heart, not the head. Psalms are meant to speak first to your heart and then let your heart speak to the rest of you. So, so when the psalmist is talking about that these things will not be able to touch you, okay, that this, this is hyperbole. This is over-exaggerated language. Now, in the next verse, it becomes really obvious. So let's read that one. They will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Okay, N now can you get the picture that this is hyperbole? Because you aren't actually going to be running across lions. Okay? Don't do that. Okay? You aren't going to be crushing serpents through the Minnesota Zoo. You'll get arrested for that. But does it mean God will protect you? Yes. But it doesn't mean he's necessarily going to protect you from stubbing your toe on a rock. I can verify that. Oh, I think I just lost sound. Testing. Testing. There we go. Kenny's scrambling right now. There, there. Good job, man. Okay, so it, but it doesn't mean that God will prevent all bad things from ever touching your life. But what it does mean is that God will be with you there. And he will protect you from some things. Okay? Now, now if we, when we go to the next verse, something really unusual happens. Something really unusual for Psalms particularly is the author, the speaker of this, he started, you, you've probably noticed the I's and the U's, the first person and second person language in this. The author actually switches to begin to speak from God. So God actually begins to speak in this psalm, which is actually a really unusual, kind of cool thing. So let's see what God has to say about all of this. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Isn't that an amazing set of promises? 
Now you know why these are called confidence and trust psalms. Because God says, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what you can take to the bank. This is what you can rely on when you're afraid. And when you are afraid, you can trust me. And that's what God says. Now, Psalm 91 is just packed with promises of what God will do. And that's great when we are afraid. Because when we're afraid, that usually means we have shifted our eyes onto something that is taking up all of our attention. We become singularly focused on one thing, and it begins to consume us. And often we lose sight of God. And the whole point of Psalm 23, Psalm 91, and the other confidence and trust psalms, God is calling our focus back to him. He's calling our eyes off whatever the thing that is scaring us, whatever the thing we are deeply afraid of. And he's calling our eyes back onto him and all of his goodness and all of his care and all of his love. He's trying to remind us that he is a protecting, caring God. And that's what we need to hear when we're afraid. So what, what do you do with your fear? What do you do with your fear? What is it that you're afraid of? What is it that you're afraid of? And again, okay, I'm not talking about like heights and snakes and the color blue, whatever weird fears you've got out there. No, no, okay, let's talk about the real stuff. Let's talk about things like your fear of failure, your fear of rejection, your fear of never measuring up to your parents' expectation, your fear of pain, or how about your fear of being alone? How about your fear of not being your true self? That if people really knew who you were, they wouldn't like you. Or how about the fear of the unknown? The fear of what the next five years are going to hold for you. Or maybe it's just your fear of your next doctor's appointment. So I don't know what your deep fears are, but I'm willing to bet it's on that list. And I'm willing to bet something is on that list is the, something that keeps you up at night. And it, you struggle and you wrestle. And it's something that, that if we sat down and we got to the deep stuff that you're really afraid of. So what would it look like not to fight, flee, freeze, or become codependent or fawn on other, another person? What would it look like for your fear for you to face it with faith and confidence in who God is and trust in God's goodness? What would it look like to face that fear? Okay. So you could run away. You could deny it. You could ignore it. You could fight. You could amp up. Okay. 
But I think Psalm 91 gives us another, uh, another alternative. It gives us the alternative of one is to remember what God does. He protects, he cares, he rescues, he rewards. Those are all things God does. Also, Psalm 91 allows us to remember that we have a part in this. We have a responsibility if we want the great things from God. We've got to play our part. Okay. Here are some of the phrases that were in the Psalms. We live in God's shelter. We trust him. We make him our refuge. Not whatever, whatever other thing you're running to when you get scared. We love him. We trust him. So I want to ask you, do you love God? Do you trust God? Do you make him the thing you run to versus something else? That's, those are all what Psalm 91 calls us to do. So what, let's say, what would this look like for me? And, and what did this look like kind of for me in my, my scary Monday morning? So I woke up at 645, first of all, wide awake, and which anyone who knows me, 645 and wide awake are not two things that happen in the same sentence for me. That just does not work, okay? I never get up wide awake at 645 because I was terrified. I was really scared. But, but not long after I woke up and I was getting ready, I found myself, once I realized, oh my gosh, how scared I really am of this, um, I started to say to myself, God is my rock. God is my rock. Now, that comes from another psalm, by the way. That one comes from Psalm 18. And I couldn't remember the rest of it. <laughs> and I was still kind of groggy and in the shower and stuff. And so I just kept saying that over and over again. God is my rock. God is my rock. You think as the pastor, I would have quote, been quoting something out of Psalm 91. <laughs> but that's not what came to mind at the time. But I think what was important about that idea to repeat to myself over and over again that God is my rock. Because when we're scared, especially scared of the unknown, that something was going to happen and you, you didn't know what the outcome was going to be, that feels kind of like earthquake ground. And I think that's kind of what fear feels like when we have something that we don't know what's going to happen, the, the ground feels really shaky. It's earthquake ground. And I, that morning, I really needed to know that God was my rock, that I had a solid ground to stand on. And so I kept saying that over and over again as, as I got ready and went to the doctor's appointment. And um, thankfully, the doctor was very gracious. The blood tests came back, and it wasn't horrible. It certainly wasn't good, but it wasn't horrible. Um, and I've, I've got some changes to make in my life, and that's a little scary, but also a little good. Um, so on a little side note, um, aside from the sermon, if any of you are putting off a doctor's appointment, go for it. I'm on the other side of it, and I'm very glad I did, because it was kind of the kick in the butt that I needed and that 
I had been running away from for a few years. So if you've got a doctor's appointment you've been avoiding, um, go on in. Uh, it's worth it. I, I wouldn't have been able to say that Sunday night, <laughs> but I can this week. Okay? But that's what fear, when we face fear, our world kind of collapses around us. We lose sight of God. We take our eyes off God. And what these comfort psalms remind us of is that God cares. He protects. When we make him our shelter, when we love him, when we trust in him. So I guess that's my challenge to all of you this morning is do you love God? Do you trust God? Is he the one you turn to when things go south and when you're afraid? And if he's not, I challenge you to make that decision to say, you know, from here on out, I'm going to make God the one I turn to. I'm going to make him the one I follow, him the one I believe in, his goodness the one that I rely on. Because that's fundamentally what it means to believe Jesus is Lord. To believe that Jesus is Savior means that he forgives us of our sins. But to believe that Jesus is Lord means that Jesus in communion with the Trinity, that God is the one you can rely on, that God is the one that you turn to, that God is the one that you follow, that God is the one that you turn to when you're scared. So I challenge you today to make Jesus the Lord of your life, not just the Savior. Because when you're afraid, God wants to meet you there. He wants to meet you when you're afraid. But you have to turn to him. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we turn to you. We acknowledge your goodness. We trust you. We, we, we collectively here place our trust and our belief and our reliance on you. We acknowledge that everything else will fall short and that you and you alone are the one to help us when we are deeply afraid. So Lord, I, I pray a special prayer for those in this room right now who are afraid, who are afraid of something happening coming up this week or something in their lives. Lord, I pray that you can offer your protection to them. Draw their hearts to, to you and protect them. Spread your wings over them. Give them shelter. Let them stand on the rock that is you. Lord, I pray for anyone who has never really stood on the rock that is you, who has never made that decision to say, I will follow you, God. Lord, I pray for those people that, that they can decide today to follow you, to trust you, to believe in you and rely on you. And you will reward that belief and that decision with unending care, 
protection and love. So God, thank you that you are a protecting God. And in our fear, let us remember that. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.